Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Friday, May 26th, 2023. It's been 3,376 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 457 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, our assessment that Russia would launch a large-scale retaliatory missile strike in the next 24 to 48 hours was regrettably accurate. However, the strike was limited to 31 Shahed-136 kamikaze drones and 10 cruise missiles, validating our assessment that the attack would depend on available inventory. Second, Russian tactics have validated our assessment that the Kremlin has moved to launching a small number of missiles on a more frequent basis and targeting areas with little military value, but that are appealing to an internal audience as proof of continued successful operations. Third, we maintain that private military company or PMC Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's claims that Russian proxy forces have fully captured Bakhmut are dubious. Fourth, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators, and military leaders. Fifth, Our analysis of weather models predicting heavy rains would bring a return of Bezdorizhia and create unfavorable conditions for significant military operations was accurate, with only 22 attacks recorded through the theater of war on May 25th. Sixth, weather conditions will remain unfavorable for large-scale military operations through May 31st. Seventh, We've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. And finally, our assessment that PMC Wagner Group continued to fight in Bakhmut even as the flanks became exposed so Prigozhin could declare mission accomplished and withdraw was accurate, with PMC Wagner forces now withdrawing from Bakhmut. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. In the Dvorichna operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, and Ukrainian source Deep State reported that Russian forces engaged in positional fighting in the area of Masyutivka with no change in the situation. 
To the southeast, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, alleged that Ukrainian Surveillance, Reconnaissance, and Sabotage Units, or DRG, were operating in the area of Sinkivka. Ukrainian officials reported that Shahed-136 kamikaze drones attacked Merefa and Izum. In Merefa, a business was set on fire, and in Izum, a school building and garage with farm equipment were damaged. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, Deep State reported there was positional fighting in the area of Novoselivsky, with no change in the situation. The Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Rykhorotka. Luhansk Oblast administrative and military governor Artem Lusikhor reported that on May 23rd, two teenagers were killed in Rykhorotka due to Russian artillery shelling. The parents became separated from their children when they were in Kupiansk during the Kharkiv counteroffensive in September. Based on this regrettable intelligence, we did update the war map, moving the line of conflict further east in the area of Rykhodotka. In the Lysychansk operational area, the GSAFU and Russian military mill blogger Wargonzo reported that Russian forces continued their attempts to advance on Bilohorivka in Luhansk and were unable to advance. In occupied Luhansk, severe thunderstorms caused significant urban and flash floods in the city of Luhansk, snarling traffic and flooding businesses and homes. Severe weather of this scale has likely impacted military logistics in the area. In northeast Donetsk, Wargonzo reported that Russian forces attacked, quote, near Khromova and failed to advance. In Bakhmut, neither combatant reported significant fighting, likely due to a prisoner-of-war exchange near Ivanivske creating a pause in hostilities and, of course, the severe weather. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar said, quote, In the Bakhmut direction, the enemy, Russia, is trying to stop our advance on the flanks with artillery fire. The enemy is pulling up additional units to the flanks for reinforcement. In the suburbs of Bakhmut, the enemy replaced Wagner's units with regular army units. At the moment, the Wagnerites remain in the same city of Bakhmut. Our troops control the outskirts of the city in the southwestern part in the airplane area. End quote. PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin's announcement of the ongoing withdrawal from Bakhmut was bravely made from the relative safety of school number 10 over a kilometer east of the Bakhmutovka River. The PMC leader introduced two area commanders who will stay behind to monitor the situation. Quick sidebar, we suggest you watch the video, which we do link in our full situation report on Patreon. One of Prigozhin's lieutenants looks less than enthusiastic about his new assignment. There continues to be no visual evidence of Russian forces at the former statue of the MiG-17 five days after mission accomplished was announced. NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, data suggested that Russian and Ukrainian forces were trading artillery strikes, with thermal anomalies in Russian-controlled central Bakhmut and Ukrainian-controlled far west Bakhmut by Khromova. Due to the lack of evidence to dispute our earlier assessment, we maintain that Ukrainian forces control approximately one square kilometer of Bakhmut, a little less than a half a square mile, divided into two pockets. That's roughly 1.8% of the city. In the Klishivka operational area, during the evening of May 24th, 
Russian forces attempted to regain lost positions in the direction of Ivanivske and were unsuccessful. Near the city of Klishivka, a geolocated drone video recorded earlier in the week showed fleeing Russian troops taking raw water from the Siversky-Donetsk-Donbass Canal, which was little more than a muddy slough at the time of recording. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, fighting for control of the forested tracks east of Novokalinovy continued until severe weather arrived, with Russian forces ultimately unable to advance. The First Army Corps tried to expand their positions near the Krasnohorivka Plateau and were unsuccessful. Russian attempts to advance on Avdiivka and Pervomaiske were also unsuccessful. In Karlivka, a Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile used for a ground attack struck the Karlovska Reservoir Dam floodgates, destroying the E-50 highway roadway over the structure and part of the dam. The loss of the bridge will complicate Ukrainian logistics into Pervomaiske, but there is a bypass route on a dirt road on the north bank of the reservoir. Twenty-six people have been evacuated from Halitsinivka, and Ukrainian civil engineers are working to mitigate the breach. Some assessment. The Geneva Convention was modified after World War II due to the Allied and Axis targeting of dams that killed thousands, mostly civilians. So a combatant defending their territory can destroy dams to slow an enemy's advance or use floodwaters as a weapon if it doesn't intentionally endanger civilians. An attacking force, however, is forbidden to target dams, and their destruction could be considered a war crime. In the Marinka operational area, fighting for Marinka continued within the remains of the city and the area around it. In the Vuhledar operational area, the Russian MOD alleged Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Volodymyrivka. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 94 fire missions, five airstrikes, and three drone attacks on 17 settlements along the line of conflict. In occupied Zaporizhia, Russian positions in Vasilivka were shelled, causing moderate damage and wounding three people. Two Storm Shadow cruise missiles hit the Azov-Kabel cable manufacturing plant in Berdyansk, and contrary to Russian reports, none of the videos shared showed any response for air defense. The fire produced was large enough and burned long enough to be detected by NASA firms. Ukrainian sources claim the factory was a command post and a logistics node where fuel and military supplies were stored. We can't validate the claims, but the fire's intensity is consistent with burning hydrocarbons. Ukrainian sources claim that two Russian Su-25s were shot down, while Russian sources claimed that one of the Su-25s was damaged but able to return to base. The pictures provided show the canopy is missing on the damaged Su-25 and has been covered in a shroud, which is hella suspicious. The background conditions appear to be late winter, not late spring, with one picture appearing to show a patch of snow. We can neither confirm nor deny that the Su-25s were shot down as reported due to the lack of visual evidence, but the poorly executed denial by Russian sources makes it more likely. While preparing this report, we received additional intelligence claiming that one Su-25 was severely damaged and attempted to make an emergency landing at the Melitopol airport. However, the pilot was forced to eject, causing the loss of the airframe. Some assessment? The video doesn't provide enough confirmation to back the claim, but in our assessment, 
At least one Su-25 was hit by Ukrainian anti-aircraft fire on May 25th and severely damaged. Honestly, had Russian sources not been so clumsy in attempting to deny the incident, we wouldn't have even reported the claim. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported that six vessels of the Black Sea fleet were on patrol with no missile carriers among them. The Russian surveillance ship Ivan Khurs appears to have been hit by one unmanned surface vessel, or USV, during a May 24, 2023 attack in the Black Sea near the Bosporus Strait. The vessel in the Ukrainian video is positively identified as the Khurs, and heavy machine gun fire can be seen as the USV approaches and appears to strike the vessel on the port side, aft. After the Ukrainian video appeared, Russian social media users issued a series of fakes claiming that the Ivan Khurs had already returned to Sevastopol, sharing a picture of an unrelated minesweeper that returned to port today, and pictures of the Khurs in Sevastopol from two years ago. Ukrainian sources shared pictures of a ship on fire near Panama from two years ago, claiming it was the Khurs, and also claimed that pictures of the USS Cole, which was hit by suicide bombers on October 12, 2000, was the Ivan Khurs. Pro-Russian source notes of midshipman Petichkin claimed that the USV damaged the spy ship and it was moving back to port under its own power at reduced speed. The Ukrainian MOD claimed the vessel had a damaged hull and equipment and that crew members were wounded. Quick assessment. The Ivan Khurs likely received some damage. It is important to note that we cannot authoritatively say that the Russian spy ship is damaged. Severe weather knocked out power in most of Odessa, with engineers working to solve the problem. There were no drone or missile strikes recorded in the region. Earlier in the day, thunderstorms produced urban flooding, tornadoes, and water spouts. In western and central Ukraine, Russian forces conducted 62 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 282 artillery rounds, mortars, Grad and Smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs, with the city of Kherson targeted three times. There were no casualties reported. In occupied Kherson, Russian combat engineers connected Jarlhach Island to the mainland near Lazurne and placed a garrison of 300 troops on the edge of the Karkinitska Gulf. In Dnipropetrovsk, Russian Shahed-136 kamikaze drones and S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack targeted Dnipro again, with Russian forces likely targeting the city due to its limited air defense resources. A transportation company's garage, a gas station, and private homes were heavily damaged, with one person injured. In Chernivtsi, during the evening of May 24th, Debris from a Shahed-136 kamikaze drone shot down by Ukrainian air defenses hit power lines, knocking out power to one of the rayons. Repairs were complicated due to poor weather conditions on May 25th. (laughs) 
On the Russian front in the Graivodon operational area, the Freedom of Russia Legion, or FRL, released a video claiming they returned to Glotovo to leave forms behind at the post office for a, quote, referendum on the separation of the Bilkhorod People's Republic from the temporarily existing Russian Federation, end quote. It is unclear if the video was from May 24, 2023, or recorded on May 22nd and later released. Bilgorod region governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reported that Graivoron and Glotovo were shelled, damaging homes, a gas pipeline, and power lines with no injuries reported. Near Morozovsk airfield in the Rostov region, Russian air defense may have shot down their own aircraft, with a video showing air defense intercepting... something. The military airfield is out of range of all known Ukrainian weapons and would be off-limits for a storm shadow strike. Regional Governor Vasily Golubyev claimed that a Ukrainian missile was shot down, but in our analysis, the video is inconsistent with a missile being intercepted. Ukrainian forces either reverse-engineered Shahed-136 Kamikaze drones, produced functional ones from debris, or used a yet-to-be-seen Kamikaze drone to attack the city of Krasnodar. At least two UAVs struck the city 188 kilometers east of the Crimea Strait Bridge. Shocked civilians reported that the blasts shook the city, jarring people out of bed, with Russian officials reporting zero casualties. Russian partisans burned another railroad relay cabinet in Moscow near the Chochlinka station on Karachatovskaya Street. Three men approached the box, doused it in fluid, and lit it on fire. In the Chelyabinsk region, Russian partisans destroyed railroad equipment near Magnitogorsk. Two relay cabinets for signaling, centralizing, and blocking the movement of trains were pried open, doused in fluid, and lit on fire. By the time emergency officials reached the location, the relay boxes had been consumed. A large fire at Penal Colony 8 in Almityevsk in the Tatarstan region was repeatedly misattributed to the missile strike in Russian-occupied Berdyansk. There was no information at the time of recording on what caused the fire, or if there were any casualties. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. Russia launched another 31 Shahed-136 Kamikaze drones from the north and south, 10 KH-101 KH-555 cruise missiles from Tu-95 strategic bombers out of Murmansk that flew to the Caspian Sea, and seven S-300 and 400 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack from the Tokmak region. The Dnipro and Kliv were the main targets. All missiles and drones aimed at Kliv were intercepted, including all KH-101, KH-555 missiles. Twenty-three Shahed-136 Kamikaze drones were intercepted, with confirmed strikes in Medifa and Izium. We could not account for six Shahed-136 UAVs at the time of recording. The director of the Department of Military Education and Science of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, Volodymyr Mirnenko, said that working with NATO, professional military education programs were improved and synchronized with NATO alliance standards. Mirnenko said, quote, Today they are ready for implementation from September 1, 2023, end quote indicating that Ukraine will have shed the last negative vestiges of Soviet-era military training standards by the fall of this year. After the Rammstein-12 Ukrainian Working Group meeting, 
Spain announced it was able to transfer four more Leopard 2A4 main battle tanks to Ukraine and an unspecified number of M113 Armored Personnel Carriers, or APCs. Finland announced its 16th military aid package to Ukraine, valued at 109 million euros, which includes anti-aircraft weapons and unspecified ammunition. Lithuania announced a new military aid package that includes anti-aircraft missiles, unspecified ammunition, dry rations, and, quote, other assistance. Iceland funded the purchase of 10 fuel trucks to support the armed forces of Ukraine, valued at 400,000 euros. Vladimir Putin really does have the ability to bring people together. In the past week, he's shifted Switzerland, Iceland, South Korea, and India closer to Ukraine. Sweden will allow Ukrainian pilots to receive training on the JAS-39 Gripen fighters, according to a report on TV4 quoting Swedish Defense Minister Paul Hjonsson. Many analysts have suggested that the JAS-39 Gripen would be better for Ukraine than the F-16, but the global inventory is fewer than 160 airframes, including 26 with Russia-aligned South Africa, 7 operated by Brazil, and another 14 with the Hungarian Air Force. British Sea King transport and rescue helicopters are fully in the service of the Ukrainian armed forces and have been painted with Ukrainian livery. There's a touching video that we link in the Situation Report showing Spanish military instructors lined up and saluting the Ukrainian trainees that are departing to become part of the upcoming offensive. The White House announced that the Chief of Staff of the American Armed Forces, Mark Milley, who is set to retire in the fall of 2023, is slated to be replaced by United States Air Force General Charles Brown. General Brown's appointment will have to be approved by Congress. Speaking of approved by members of Congress, let's talk about the Russian military mobilization and MIR. First, errors and omissions. Yesterday, we reported a T-55 tank removed from static display in Melitopol was being pressed back into service. A sharp-eyed reader believes the tank is a nearly century-old T-26 and is being removed for other reasons. Colonel Alexander Khodakovsky, deputy commander of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, OMON, lamented that Russian radio communications are open to Ukrainian forces and that China stopped providing updated encryption keys to Russia a year ago due to the threat of sanctions. Quote, I felt the unpleasant feeling of being naked in public. We are so open to the enemy when we use such means of communication as Hater or Motorola. End quote. Russian volunteer military unit and trader of slave mobics, called veterans, claimed that a problem in Bilgorod is Russian electronic warfare measures are knocking out the frequencies used by consumer and commercial-grade Mavic drones used by Russian units due to a shortage of military-grade UAVs such as the Orlan 10. As we've repeatedly assessed, these measures don't care if Ukraine, Russia, or Russian partisans fly the drone. Veterans cited the lack of reconnaissance as one of the reasons for the slow response to the border incursions on May 22nd and 23rd. In addition, they claim that Ukrainian drones are increasingly rotating the frequencies they're using and using higher bands up to 1.4 gigahertz that current Russian countermeasures cannot jam. Because of this growing technology gap, 
Russian electronic warfare systems are blinding Russian units, while Ukrainian units can operate with impunity. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.